Hello, and thank you for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church Maryville here in Maryville, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can visit our website to find out more information about our church or to find our full audio archive with all of our messages. So you can find all of that at www.vineyardchurch.us, or you can also subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. John chapter 15 is where we're going to be. We're going to read uh, just three verses here. This is one of my absolute favorite chapters of the Bible. Um, if you haven't like spent some time with John 15, let me encourage you to spend some time with John 15. And these uh, three verses are three of the absolute best that have meant the world to me. So I will share from a bit, a bit from there and share quite personally, actually, because, again, it has meant so much to me. Before we jump in, to those who are online, we love you. Really glad that you guys are here with us as well. Uh, John 15 verse 5 says this, Yes, I am the vine. And this is Jesus speaking, and try to picture it as he goes. I'm the vine, Jesus says. You, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And nothing means nothing. Verse 6. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. That's quite the statement. Um, I'll just share a story with you guys. This has been a number of years ago, six, seven years, something like that. And uh, I was just not doing well. It was easily the worst time in my life uh, to date. Hopefully we don't get there again. Um, it was, man, just nothing was working. Just in my whole, just nothing was working. Um, things were not going well at the church, uh, and everything I tried just didn't work. I felt like Tom Thumb running around trying to plug the dam, waiting for the whole thing to break. You know, I had the whole staff running around trying to plug holes, and just nothing was working. And I remember thinking, I could be an idiot, and I could be a horrible leader, but if so, no worse than I was five years ago, why is nothing working now when it all worked five years ago? Like, what is going on? Just nothing would work, and I was, I was just trying harder and harder and harder and working more and more and getting more and more frustrated, and then nothing was working. I was getting exhausted and emotional. While that was going on, there was some other things going on that were personal, but it was just nothing too intense on that front, but it was just a lot of extra work, and so I was going really hard. Um, down a particular path with that. And then the hardest part, way more so than even those other two things, was at the same time, as I looked over sort of the landscape of the best friends that I have in my life, like their lives were falling apart, just one right after the other. It's like some of them, it was stuff that was related and other things, like multiple other things that were not related to to the other circumstances were happening all around. I just looked around to the households of the people I love most in this world, and there was just mushroom clouds over each of their homes, and it was just devastating. And I thought that I should be able to help them. And frankly, for the most part, they thought that I should be able to help them. And so I was frantically trying to do that, and it also wasn't working. Nothing was working and I was exhausted and frustrated. And if you had asked me at the time, Aaron, how are you doing? I would say, you know what, it's a rough stretch, but I'm hanging in there. And that would not have been true. I would not have been lying. I mean, I thought it was a rough stretch, but I was hanging in. But I later found out, man, I was hanging by a thread. 
You ever realize how deep in a hole you are just by how long it takes you to climb out? Be like, man, I'm doing great, but I've been climbing for two years to get out of this hole. That's where I was. And I remember one night, uh, it was like a worship and prayer night like we've been doing this fall. And uh, so it was in the evening, some worship was happening. I was in the back of the room, leaning against that back wall, waiting to come up here and teach. And while the band was playing, I was praying, trying to get my head around what I was going to say, frankly, trying not to think about all of the fires in my life. And as I was doing that, uh, the Lord met me and gave me a vision, like a, like a vision vision, like from the Bible, a vision, you know, <laughs> like clear, take over my field of vision. It's all I could see, like watching a movie, a vision. And in this picture, it was me all alone on a sailboat in vast open waters. And immediately I noticed the thing that stood out, and I think the Lord was highlighting to me, was that my sail was down. I don't know anything about sailing. All I know is that, I know one thing, you need a sail to sail. That's literally all that I know. And I looked and thought, there I am, completely alone, far away from anything. Why in the world is the sail down? And then the image sort of focused in on me. And there I was. There I was, leaning over the side of the boat, both hands frantically paddling, looking ridiculous, and to absolutely no avail. Like, that was not working at all. And that was the picture. And then the Lord spoke to me, guys, clear as a bell. It was not audible. This reminds me, by the way, of something that my dad said um, on the podcast. I don't know if you guys know, but we've been adding extra stuff to the podcast. It's pretty good stuff. You should check it out. On that, I got to interview my dad. And one of the things my dad talked about, he said it was a time that he heard from the Lord. He said it wasn't audible, but it was somehow clearer and louder than audible. That was this. Not audible, but clear as a bell. And the Lord said, Aaron, apart from me, you can do nothing. And in that moment, I just became instantly aware of about a thousand ways, and that sounds like an exaggeration. I think it's a pretty good guess. About a thousand different ways in which I thought I was trusting the Lord, but I wasn't at all. The fact is, I had put my hope in me. When it really came down to it, even if I did things with sort of a veneer of spirituality, ultimately, my hope and my My idea of success meant I was going to work harder, run faster, I'm going to put my head down, and I'm going to go. I'm going to take two salt pills and march on, soldier. I'm not stopping. That was my solution. Remember, at one time, I talked to Joe Bondi. If you guys don't know Joe, you need to fix that. God bless that wonderful man. And I love Joe. And Joe came to me and said, Aaron, as he often does, Aaron, how can I pray for you? And I remember telling him, man, I feel like I need to shift up another gear, but I'm flat out of gears. I don't have any other gears to kick into, and I'm redlining. And that's where I was. And why was I like that? Because at every problem, and there were lots of them, I thought the answer, when it really come down to it, and I didn't know until right then, But in every time, I thought the answer was, all right, Aaron, put your head down, work harder, push harder, go a little more. That's going to be the solution instead of putting my trust in the Lord. And as soon as I realized that it was in an instant, a thousand ways, a thousand ways, I just started sobbing uncontrollably and repenting. It was the conviction of the Holy Spirit. God, forgive me. That was rough timing because um, now it's time for me to go up and preach and (laughs) If you guys have been here long, you know I just, I'm physically incapable of crying and talking at the same time. I just can't do it. Those of you who can, how? Teach me. 
I wish I could, but I cannot. And so I just sat up here and looked at people, couldn't get a single word out. I just sobbed for minutes. Everybody looked at me thinking, there's a scandal. This is definitely a scandal. My mom was in the room, and I remember being worried that my mom would worry. So after a few minutes, I managed to get together enough to go, Mom, I'm okay. And then I went back to sobbing more. (laughs) When finally it lifted, it was time for me to repent and to confess my sins to the church. And I told, you know, people who were there, this is what's going on. And I had to admit, I didn't even know it, but I've been trying to do it myself thought I was leaning on the Lord, and just full stop, I wasn't. Um, That was the most significant pivot point in my adult life. It's not even close. I have reflected on that picture every single day since, every single day. It's a part of my daily rhythm now, just to remember that scene. And the reminder that comes from it, Aaron, keep your sail up. You put away your sail. You guys know how sailing works, right? I already told you everything you need to know. Sail up. Wind catches it. The wind moves it. When we read in the Bible about the Holy Spirit, that's the Greek word pneuma. It means breath or wind. How do we move forward? Not by our own paddling. Not by our own efforts. We catch the wind. And the wind moves us forward. We keep our sails up. Because apart from him, we can do exactly, precisely nothing. And that was the day that I learned the difference between rowing and sailing. It's so important. It's so important that we, all of us, as people of God, understand the difference between rowing and sailing. Um, you might hear that story and say, well, Aaron, I, I bet then, since you were doing so poorly that you probably weren't doing any of your like spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines. Now, um, if you're a church kid, you know what I'm talking about. If not, let me just explain it to you really quickly. If you think of anything that's like the stuff that Christians are supposed to do, just the Christian activities, whatever those are, those, those are spiritual practices. So we're talking about things like praying regularly and reading our Bibles every day and studying God's Word and going to church and and fellowshipping with one another in groups, and praying for one another, and fasting, and giving, and service to other people, and keeping a Sabbath. Just like, honestly, just all the Christian stuff. All the things that Christians are supposed to do. And so you might say, Aaron, if you were doing so poorly at that time, you probably weren't doing the things that Christians are supposed to do. And I would say, wrong. I was doing the things. I was doing all the things because I believed in doing the things, and I still do for the record. I believe in doing the things, and I believed in it then, and I was desperate. So not only was I doing the things, I was cranking them up to 11. I was doing them like never before. Martin Luther, the great reformer, he said this, I have so much to do today that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. And I thought, I buy that. I get that principle. And I'm desperate right now, so I'm not going to pray less. I'm going to pray more. And I did. I was praying like crazy. But here's the thing. Picture this. Prayer hands. They're good, right? Prayer hands. They're also cupped hands. Good for doing this. And so I was praying, but not in an effort to put up my sails. I was praying in an effort to do a spiritual thing, a religious activity, to try and keep the thing going, to try and get something to move forward instead of backward for once. 
Well, what about your Bible, Aaron? The Bible should teach you otherwise. Were you reading the Bible? I was reading the Bible like crazy. I was desperate. This is the sword of the Spirit. I'm at war. Why wouldn't I brandish the sword? And I did. I read it like crazy at that time. More so than I was before then. I was reading the thing. But in what way and for what reason? Why did I have my Bible out? This is why. It made it for a good or, I thought. <laughs> this is a good way for me to do another spiritual thing, to exert some more religious effort, to try and move this thing forward, even in the spiritual activities I was putting hope in my own effort, in my own doing. I was going to church. I mean, it's my job to go to church. Of course I was going to church. But what was I receiving from church? A, a lot, but a lot of what I had in my mind is, well, if I go to church, well, then I can, you know, Maybe get a bigger paddle, or maybe I can get you guys to row with me. We can all paddle together. I was doing all the things, all the Christian, religious, spiritual things, all the spiritual practices. But the question in doing those things is, in what way are we doing those things? To what end are we doing those things? And guys, please lean in. This is the main point. These spiritual practices, the Christian stuff that we're supposed to be doing, those are not religious to-dos. Those are not just tasks. And very important, you got to know whether or not you're rowing or sailing, folks. Those are not like spiritual levers that we pull in hopes of generating the desired result to get God to do what we want him to do or convince things, make things happen the way that we want them to happen. Those spiritual practices, prayer and reading the Bible and community and fellowship within the body of Christ, they are ways that we put up our sails. And as we put up our sails, we catch the wind of the Spirit. So that the wind of the Spirit then is what moves us along, propelling us forward. I was using the spiritual practices as paddles, prayer hands and the Bible and, and bigger paddles if I can get more people to row with me. I was looking at them as ways to make me better at what I believed was my job of fixing all the things. And that's a missing the forest for the trees kind of thing. And I doubt I'm the only person who's ever been there. Guys, spiritual practices aren't for that. They aren't. Spiritual practices also, they aren't about making the wind blow. I prayed a lot today. The wind should blow today. That's not how it works. They are instead about situating our souls in such a way that when the wind does blow we catch it and it propels us forward and moves us along, putting up our sails, catching the wind of the Spirit because we recognize it's not actually our job to fix it. It's our job to walk with Jesus. Jesus is the answer, not our efforts, not even when our efforts happen to be very spiritual efforts. Still not our effort. This is why it is quite possible that you do know people or have known people who are doing the spiritual stuff, you know, they're going to church, they read the Bible, they're praying, they got the things in line, they're checking the boxes, but in fact their lives are an absolute total wreck. They're controlled by sin, toxic relationships everywhere they look. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, how is it possible for this person to be doing their Bible study every single morning and then going to work to continue their illicit affair. How is that even possible? 
Why? Here's why. Because those spiritual practices aren't, in this case, about fellowship with God. They're about checking a box. Or possibly even, and before you just say, oh, yeah, maybe for those other people, just maybe consider that it might apply to you as well. Possibly even, without even knowing it, but still it's there. Possibly even about trying to put God in our debt. So here's the logic. Hey, I said my prayers. I read my Bible. I paid my tithes. And then you don't finish the sentence, but the unstated finish end of the sentence is, and so you owe me. I plugged in the religious formula. I did the things that the preacher said to do. I did the stuff. Now, where's the results? And if that's why you're doing those things, the very things, by the way, that are designed to help you love God more, they will, in fact, just make you resent him more and more. Because if you think you're plugging in a formula, then you'll soon conclude that you were sold a religious bill of goods. And it's missing the forest for the tree. Some people end up walking away from God entirely because they think, you know what? I actually tried all that stuff. I did all the stuff. I did everything the preacher said and it didn't work. So I'm done. But what does that reveal? If we think about that, what does that reveal? It reveals that all of the doing of stuff was just an attempt to put God in their service. Just a lever that was pulled to try to make your life better or to fix your problems. When the spiritual practices, prayer and reading the Bible and this church family, our community, our generosity, all these things, they are not ways to put God in debt to us. They are instead an invitation into rest, into surrender, into peace and delight and genuine union with God. And that is an end in itself. Not just a means to an end, but an end in itself. Maybe you did all the things the preacher said, but did you ever really accept Jesus' invitation? And you might go, yeah, no, 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 I'm a Christian. I've, I've, I said yes to Jesus. I, I, no, no. This invitation, the one that we often forget. Yes, there's the invitation to come into the family of God and receive the forgiveness of God. And then our king says, now come as an apprentice and follow me. And he has this invitation. I'm going to read it to you. It's from Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to read from the uh, message translation. I don't often read from the message translation because I have a love-hate relationship with it, to be honest. But man, does he nail it right here. This is Peterson exactly dialed into the heart of Jesus. I'm convinced on these words. So the words of Jesus to you, Matthew 11, 28. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. And work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely. And lightly. That's the invitation of Jesus to so many of his followers that is so often, frankly, rejected. Instead of receiving that invitation, we receive another one, one into striving and straining. 
and it backfires every time. Jesus' invitation was not for you to mind your checklist and fulfill religious tasks and duties. It was for you to walk with him. It was for you, I love this language, it was for you to keep company with him. It was never an invitation to toil and strain and strive. It has always been an invitation to get away with him, to find real rest. And these words are very important, to work with him. Understand the distinction, not work for him. Work with him. The mission of our church is joining God in the renewal of all things. We're not checking a list. We are joining God in the great mission of his kingdom. And the promise, he says, comes, he says, when you come away with me and keep company with me, you will recover your life. So, when God gave me that vision that night, guys, it absolutely, it changed my life forever. And like I said, it was the most significant pivot point in my adult life. And this is why I shifted from rowing to sailing. If you haven't made the same shift, I want to encourage you to see it, the need for it now, and and come join me over here. From rowing to sailing. From the way of Daft Punk, I don't know how many of you know about Daft Punk, but their best song was Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. I just want you to know if you get that reference, I love you with my whole heart for getting the reference. If not, it's fine. Just Aaron's weird. Move on. But their biggest song was harder, better, faster, stronger. And I was going the way of Daft Punk. (laughs) Love Jesus very much. But the solution to every problem in my mind was I'm going to go harder, better, faster, stronger. And missing this beautiful invitation to go instead the way of Jesus, which has come to me. I will not put anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. And I will give you rest Now, you might hear that and say, well, does that mean then, Aaron, that these spiritual practices that you're talking about, that they aren't that big of a deal to you now? And I would say, nope. It's the complete opposite. The spiritual practices are more important to me and more vital to me than they have ever been. And the reason why is I'm experiencing the actual beauty of it because their purpose is in view. I'm not trying to make something happen by pulling the right spiritual lever, at least when I'm thinking clearly in my, I have perspective, I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to put God in my debt. I'm not trying to fulfill religious duties. I'm not trying to take up arms. The spiritual practice are how I put up my sails. How I catch the wind of the Spirit and then rest. Rest in His all-sufficient power as the Spirit of God does what I can't do on my own, which is move things forward. I uh, rode on a sailboat for the first time just a few months ago, a couple months ago. I'd never done it before. Um, it was really interesting to watch the guy, the, uh, the captain. Um, there were times that he was working. He was doing things. Most of the time, not so much. Most of the, most of the time, he was sitting back, relaxing with us, and we were moving. We were moving it was interesting. When the wind stopped, we just stopped. When the wind blew, we went. When the wind blew fast, we went fast. When the wind just went a little, we just went a little. There was no speed limit. Even if there was one, we had no choice as to whether or not we would follow it. The wind of the Spirit was directing it all. And there's no panic in the stillness. There was a time in which if I was stuck and I felt still, I, that was panicking. 
because that doesn't fit with harder, faster, better, stronger. But now the stillness of the Lord just means the wind's not currently blowing. Rest while you can because the stiff wind's probably coming. Spiritual practices mean more than ever to me now, and they're not, they're not laborious. They're joy-filled. They are not tasks or burdens. They are not to-dos. They are life. They are ways to remain in Him. Back to the text. John 15, 5 again. Jesus, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. It's It's an absolute black and white promise. If you keep your wind up or you keep your sails up and catch the wind, you're going to bear lots of fruit, period. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from your sail being up, no fruit. No matter how hard you wrestle, no matter how intense you go, no fruit. There's a really stark contrast here. The people who are not walking with Jesus just can't do anything that will, not, that will be ultimately fruitful. But those who are, man, there's, just, there's fruit everywhere. There's fruit in abundance along with rest and joy and peace. And then Jesus in verse 7 adds this statement that it really sounds like hyperbole. He says, if you remain, it's not, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can spend some time thinking about that this afternoon. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, anything you want, and it'll be granted. That's a heck of a thing to say. For any, even for Jesus, that's a heck of a thing to say. Now, if you've been around church, then you might be waiting for the moment because here's usually where the preacher sort of pops in and explains that technically Jesus was telling the truth here, but it doesn't sound like what it sounds like. That's what you come to expect. I'm not going to do that. I think this actually means what it sounds like it means. I think Jesus meant what it sounds like he meant. And here's why. When we walk with Jesus, when we keep our sails up and abide in him and he and us, day in, day out, hour by hour, he gives us, listen, whatever our hearts desire. That's literally true. Now the thing is, what your heart most desires is dramatically changed when you're walking with Jesus. Now you might hear that and go, oh, there's the catch. I knew there was a catch. And if so, you're missing the point, which is when God begins to shift the things that you desire, he shifts them towards better, more beautiful, more ultimately fulfilling things. That's not a downgrade of the promise. It's an upgrade. When you walk with Jesus, you just want what he wants. You just want to know him more and walk with him all day and do stuff that matters and is actually fruitful for the kingdom. And you get it. You get it. I think probably all of us at one time or another have come across one of these remarkable, magical people who they can be going through really brutal things, like the circumstances in their life are just not good, and they're just happy in the Lord, like all the time. And when you encounter people like that, you think, how is that possible? Is it just an act? And the thing is, it's not just an act. The fact is, their deepest desires are being fulfilled Their most passionate prayers are all being answered because they just want more of Jesus and they just keep getting what they want. That's what Jesus is talking about. 
And if that to your ears sounds, sounds worse than, I don't know, being able to summon a Ferrari on demand, um, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, that's not better. This is better. You cannot beat happiness, peace, rest, joy, and power in the kingdom of God. You can't beat that. And, and that's what happens when you walk with Jesus. If you walk with Jesus, all you want is Jesus, and then you get what you want. That's how it goes. And if that's not what you want, then you aren't walking with him. It's important for you to understand, Jesus is not withholding, least of all, of himself. If you want more of him, you get more of him every time. I've said this before, it bears repeating. Lean in. You've got Jesus right where you want him. Hear that. You have Jesus right where you want him. When you welcome him in, he comes in. If you welcome all the way in, he comes all the way in. When you don't, he doesn't. If you want him out, then he's out. If you want him in, but just on the fringes of your life, then that's exactly where you have him. If you want him close to the center, but still second to a couple of things that you're a little bit more concerned about than you are about him or life with him, then that's exactly where he is. If you want him at the center and the controls of your life, then that's exactly where he is. Don't doubt it for a second. You've got Jesus right where you want him. And when we accept this invitation to, to walk with Jesus, accept the invitation not to tasks, but to the unforced rhythms of his grace, the invitation to keep company with him throughout the day, then all you want is more of that. And that's what you get. And in the process, your sails are up. And when your sails are up, the wind blows, you catch the wind, you catch the spirit. Things start moving. Things start, and when things are still, you're still. And when it's blowing, you're going fast. And it's all up to him. He's dictating it all. And there's rest and there's joy and there's so much fruit in that. Y'all tracking with me? Yeah? All right, now you might hear this and say, what in the world does any of this have to do with a building campaign? <laughs> Actually, it's really simple. It just comes down to this. We're trying to make a wise decision, trying to be led by the Lord and how we are to give. So what does that mean? Plain and simple. It means we got to keep our sails up. It just means we walk with Jesus. <laughs> That's it. Like, remember, this is not about me asking you to give. This is about us asking Jesus what we should do. How do we do that? Sails up. And the whole point of the move, by the way, is so that as a church, we can bear more fruit. And our bearing fruit, hear this, that hinges entirely, like 100% on one thing. Do we have our sails up? If no, then we can't do a darn thing, no matter how hard all of us try. If yes, there's going to be more fruit than will fit in this building or that building. There's going to be lots of it. Because that's the clear black and white promise of God, and I believe it. Because when we're carried along by the wind of the Spirit... By the power of God, we bear much fruit. Apart from him, we can do nothing. It really becomes a sort of binary thing. And so once again, the invitation from Jesus. I want to go back and read it again. Matthew 11. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. 
get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I will not lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Okay, uh, Emily, I think, is going to come and help play some music so we can wrap this thing up. A couple of things just uh, kind of for you to know before we close on one idea. On your way out, at both of the doors, there are going to be people there to hand you this booklet. This is our Onward for Your Kingdom booklet with all the information about the campaign and all of that stuff. So, and one for every person, not just household, but every person. So grab one. Uh, they're lovely. Erin Wright is incredible at her job. Um, so take one of those with you. Inside this booklet is a 21-day prayer guide. Um, why would we do that? Why would we take the time to write a 21-day prayer guide? Um, because this whole entire campaign hinges on whether or not we put our sales up. That's a way to put our sales up. That's why. Very simple. Now, the idea is that next week we start the 21 days together. You can start now if you want. It's all right. But the idea is next week we'll be doing those um, together. Again, the whole idea being let's put ourselves up. Speaking of next week, next week is going to be awesome. Um, we're going to spend extra time in worship. As we're shifting gears, uh, we're talking about, again, we're going through the last stands of our prayer, onward for your kingdom. We're declaring your worth. So that's worship. And we're going to ex take extended time in worship. You say, why does that have to do with a building campaign? It has everything to do with a building campaign. Why? Because through worship, we put our sails up. So we're just going to spend extra time next week sticking our sails in the air. And fun little fact, just, this is just information, but it, I think it's really worthwhile. We've got two extra worship leaders uh, from around the country who are coming to join us. So Liz Wood, who's just, she's, she is stellar, uh, coming out of Alabama. She's going to be joining us, and uh, along with David, David leading worship with us. And then a third worship, we really, we really brought in a big gun for this one. One of the national worship leaders, a name that might sound familiar to you, one Matthew Howard Farrand. Matt Farrand is going to come and lead worship with us next week. I know. See, they're, they're the ones who've been here a while. So if you don't know, Matt uh, was our worship leader for a long time. We just absolutely adore that man. Um, and Terry and Tatum and Mac, they're all going to be here. So um, we're just going to have a good time putting ourselves up together next week. Don't miss it. Bring a friend. Um, that's going to be a good time of celebration. So that's next week. Uh, for Selah, this is how we close our service every week. Uh, well, we'll do that. That's on we're for your kingdom. At the end of the sermon part, we spend a couple minutes to pray and reflect. We call it Selah. Just one question. Just one question. I invite you to, maybe we could start with our heads bowed and eyes closed. You don't have to stay there long, but if it's helpful to you, maybe it's a good place to start. Really simple question. If you're a follower of Jesus, then no doubt you have you said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do the stuff. I mean, you came to church today. That's one of the things. You checked the box and you got the prayer thing and the, the Bible thing. And you've heard that over and over and over again. These, these spiritual practices, the things that Christians do, right on. All good, all beautiful. So what we're going to do over the next couple of minutes is ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us whether or not our efforts in those spiritual practices is really about rowing 
or if it's about sailing. We're trying to earn our way or we're trying to wrestle our way to fruitfulness and effectiveness. Or are we walking with Jesus, putting our sails up so that we might catch the wind of the Spirit? In my case, if you'd have asked me before the Lord gave me that vision, if I was rowing or sailing, I would say, yeah, I'm probably sailing. I was not at all. And so I needed the Holy Spirit to reveal it to me. Aaron, you're doing this stuff, but you're doing it. You're doing it not as an expression of joy to enter into rest, but as striving and straining to pull the right spiritual lever to make things happen that you want to happen. I had to have the Holy Spirit show it to me. And some of us today, no doubt, need to be shown that. Let's just ask the Lord if that might be us. We'll also ask this if you say, um, those spiritual practices are relatively dormant in my life. I'll just say, look, there's, there's plenty of people in the room, no doubt, who have been down this path. And they've said, you know what? I did all the spiritual practices. I did everything the preacher said to do. And it didn't work. It didn't work. And if you say, all right, the spiritual practices aren't really going in my life. And perhaps the Lord would reveal to you now that maybe, just maybe, you were trying to twist his divine arm behind his back instead of coming to him to rest. Maybe you were rowing. And when we row, we just get tired. If the spiritual practices just make you tired, then you're probably rowing. But if you catch the wind and are propelled forward in joy, then then you think fondly of the spiritual practices because that's what... It's how you catch the wind. 